Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. How do we respond to disaster? What is the church's uh, response? What is our call to respond to and serve our neighbor who are in the midst of disaster? Joining me in studio, the Reverend Michael Meyer, manager of disaster response for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Pastor Meyer, welcome back. Thank you, Andy. It's good to be here. Glad to have you in studio and looking forward to the upcoming Lutherans in the midst of disaster, the uh, the LCMS Disaster Response Conference coming up in uh, September, right? Yeah, it's just right around the corner. Why why have a disaster response conference? What what is what is our our duty? Why do we why do we serve in response to disasters? Well, there's a whole <laughs> lot going on there in those questions you just asked. Um, but I'll, I'll go to the, just to briefly talk about why we would even have a conference in the first place. <clears throat> as you mentioned, it's uh, Lutherans in the Midst of Disaster. Essentially, it's an opportunity for us as a church body, mm-hmm. for us as a church body to gather together, get together with uh, uh, uh Disaster responders throughout our church body, uh, district disaster response coordinators, and in this case, this year, we're bringing together also uh, different church leaders from across the world, uh, churches that we're in partnership with and fellowship with and and, uh, in varying degrees. Uh, And we're going to bring them all onto the campus of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, for three days in September to talk about mercy, to talk about disaster, to share experiences as well as... uh, so in particular, we're going to be hearing from uh, an update from individuals in the Philippines uh, from the typhoon that uh, ravaged their country three years ago now. Uh, we'll be hearing from uh, a missionary from Peru uh, talking about mudslides that uh, th- they experienced in their country a few years ago. And then we're talk- going to hear from uh, the Lutheran Church in Madagascar, uh, as they share some of the things that they do as it relates to mercy uh, in their church body as well. So it's going to be a really a good opportunity for learning from each other uh, and have some mutual consolation of the brethren that all of these individuals engaged in the, the hard work of mercy in the church have a chance to, uh, to share their joys but also to share their struggles and to mm-hmm. learn from one another about how best to, to go about this mercy work. You've been serving in this position for four years now, is that yeah, right? Yeah, a little over four years. About the same time right, that you right. started here at KFU. I think we, we both came in the door at the same time. I think we did too. What what have you learned in your four years serving in this position as you've as you've met people, uh, Lutherans around the world, and and partnered with them in serving in response to disasters, caring for our neighbors. Well, how long of a show do we have? Is this a three-hour a <laughs> a three three tour? tour. <laughs> um, well, I mean, the things that, that I've experienced and learned over the last four years has just uh, been astronomical and things that I would never have expected. And to really see the joy that... Uh, that is brought to communities as the church, the LCMS, and and our uh, our congregations across the, the the United States as they reach out in mercy and love towards their neighbor, and then also as they proclaim the gospel as they do that. To see the the joy and to see the outpouring of love within our church body has just been a phenomenal uh, opportunity, one that I am uh, uh, forever thankful for, uh, and. I mean, really, those two things are are key. The the, the joy that is 
received by these communities that are in so much pain and suffering, but then also the joy of those who are given opportunity to provide assistance and help and to share the the words of the gospel that 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 which gives peace which the world cannot give so i mean i could probably talk for a full 12 hours about uh, each individual opportunity from california to florida up through uh, michigan and every place in between but uh, that will be the post-conference conference. That'll be the post-conference conference. That's right. <laughs> Twelve hours. Yes. <laughs> Twelve, 12 hours with Pastor Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will fall asleep. It'll be entertaining for all. You and, and, and Pastor Ross Johnson, Dr. Ross Johnson. Now, yes. Uh, when it, when it, in the wake of a disaster, quite often we'll meet with the, the uh, local pastor or um, district uh, staff, uh, whoever uh, to uh, whoever's involved or who was affected by that disaster, but particularly the the this to support the local congregation in that community to help them rebuild and and serve in their community to serve their neighbors in their community. What what is what what are you thinking when you first? come on site and see that, you know, the, the disaster, I know you've seen tornadoes and floods and typhoons and, 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 and many other disasters. What are the first things that you're, you're looking for? And, uh, as you prepare to, to meet with that pastor or that, the, the local people in order to help that local congregation serve their community? Well, I mean, you've, you've hit the nail on the head here and that the local congregation is key in, in all of this. Uh, so when we come in, it's never as LCMS Inc. or Synod or, or uh, kind of, you know, the higher-ups coming in to take over the show. But one of the things that is is absolutely key is, and, and the question that we try to ask every single time is, how can we lift up this congregation in the midst of what they are going through? So how can we help them? How can we lift up and hold up their arms as they proclaim the gospel in the community? So we'll start to ask those questions. And it begins, of course, with the, the pastor and the leaders in the congregations and the district. So we'll, we'll, we'll converse with them. We'll talk with them. We'll, uh, we'll sit down and in many cases, we'll be face to face and visit with them, uh, provide uh, uh, spiritual care in some cases. But then we also might provide physical care for the, uh, the pastors and their families if they've been displaced or uh, themselves or are, are going through anything else like that for them for their family but we focus there first because that individual and those people are the ones who are called in those places to serve and to be uh, and if we can support the pastor in his role as pastor in that congregation then we're doing our job because then he can take care of his his flock his mm-hmm. sheep, uh, because uh, God is the one that's called him there. And because they're in the community that's suffering, they also know the needs that are in that community better than we know the needs that are in the community from the outside coming in. Uh, we can bring experiences that we've seen in other communities, and we might be able to share with them and say, you know, there's a, a congregation in this area that uh, that when they went through something similar, they were able to provide uh, this kind of physical care. Uh, maybe that's an area that uh, that your congregation could can, could consider to uh, engage in. Uh, but sometimes it's just simply saying, well, what are the needs in the area? What are the resources already here? And are there any needs that don't have a resource matched up 
that we can maybe come in as the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and, and kind of fill that gap, be the niche, and point people to that local congregation, to the, 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 the pulpit, the font, and the altar, where the Word of God is proclaimed and the sacraments are administered for the ongoing well-being of that community of believers, and then that community at large as well. You pointed out that each congregation has its own unique um, setting, its own unique context, its own unique needs and resources as well to serve their community in the wake of a disaster. What have been some of the ways that that you've seen now in your four years here? uh, What have been some of the, uh, I guess, the, the... the ways that congregations have responded to to disaster to serve their neighbors in the community that have really stood out for you. I realize that it what the way this congregation responds in a disaster may not necessarily apply to the way this congregation mm-hmm. in another part of the world responds to disaster. But what are some um, perhaps unique or uh, just very meaningful ways that you've seen congregations serve their community after a disaster? Yeah, um, a, a couple of them stand out for me. Um, very early on, there was a, a tornado in Peoria, uh, or uh, Washington, mm-hmm. Illinois, actually, so outside of Peoria. So this was probably in the fall of 2013 uh, that they had a tornado come through on Sunday morning. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, th- it was at the beginning of the second service. Everybody went downstairs uh, when the alarms went off. And they came back up, and the neighborhood across the street was just was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that. so they... Yeah. Uh, uh, as they were going through this process, as terrible as this disaster was, and as many dozens and dozens of homes were destroyed, uh, uh, even in the neighborhood, especially right across the street from them, uh, FEMA uh, was not going to declare it a, a, a disaster and make federal dollars available to the government because it didn't meet the, the, the full financial threshold uh, that was required for it. So it would have had to have been you know, many millions of dollars more based on the, the size of the, the overall disaster. And the, so the city knew that they weren't going to be getting reimbursed for a lot of their financial expenses. And so there was a struggle and a fight over how the debris was going to be removed from, uh, from these places. So in, in typical large-scale disasters, all the debris is kind of pushed to the end of the uh, right along the street, and then the city or the county or the state will come by and they'll send big trucks with arms and grappling hooks. They'll grab things and they'll just cart everything off. Well, they weren't going to do it uh, in this disaster. And the insurance is, uh, was not covering that as well. And so there was this huge gap for homeowners that they had to remove all of this debris from their, their house that was blown down before mm. any work could be done as, in rebuilding. And so the Lutheran Church there, our Savior Lutheran Church in Washington, Illinois, uh, they, they, they saw this need and this gap, and they started asking questions, how can, we, how can we fill this? And so they started working with Lutheran Church charities to provide some volunteers, and they contacted us, and we worked with them to give them a, a, a grant so that they could provide dumpsters to churches. And so they'd go around the community, and they'd say, uh, would it be helpful if you had a dumpster 
to help cart this uh, this this thing this stuff off. And so uh, the families in the in the community were just flabbergasted that a group was able to and willing to provide dumpsters. They started asking, well, how much is this going to cost? And the church says, no, we're not going to we're not going to charge you for this. And in fact, tomorrow morning at eight o'clock, we we'd like to have thirty volunteers here as well to help fill these uh, dumpsters so that this burden does not fall on you and you're able to start to pick up the pieces of your life and put mm. them back together and move on. So that's one that really kind of sticks out to me because the Lutherans there, I mean, they were uh, a place that the volunteers came, they could have coffee, use the restroom, use the internet, all of those things. And then they were being sent out in the community to do this very real thing that that people needed before they could uh, even begin to think about getting back into a home. Who would think, I mean, those are things that, that we probably take for granted on a daily basis, that when something disastrous happens, like a tornado like that, that's that that comes through, in the, the aftermath of that, cleanup is a big step in it starting over and cleaning up all the things, that all the debris that's that's been blown around. And uh, something as seemingly as simple as a dumpster... <laughs> To, that's not readily available to the average person. Yeah, and and a congregation doesn't normally wake up in the morning and pastor and the leader say, you know what, we'd really like to be known as the dumpster church. <laughs> it doesn't normally cross somebody's mind, but yeah. it, it was such a high need. Sure. Uh, and uh, now, of course, they're known outside of that, uh, but it was this this wonderful connection that mm-hmm. was able to be made with that local congregation so that then they're getting children for vacation Bible school from the community and others that saw that this church was there and active and they actually cared about them. There's another one that stands out in my mind as well. Uh, this would be in Pilgrim, Nebraska. And for some of the listeners who might not be familiar with this area, it's uh, about an hour and a half to two hours northwest of Omaha near Norfolk, Nebraska. Um and uh, in 2014, there was two EF4 tornadoes that paralleled each other uh, across the, the plains there in Nebraska. One of them struck Pilger. It destroyed the congregation completely. The building, uh, so we yeah. got there 24 hours later, just a concrete slab. Hmm. Uh, the rest of the building was off in a field. Um, and then the, pa- the, the parsonage as well was destroyed, along with 60% of the community there. Uh, and as they started going through the process of beginning to rebuild and whatnot, the county came in and the state uh, determined that they ended up, that they were in what was known as a floodplain. So even though it wasn't a flood, uh, and it, they were the houses were blown down, they were going to have to have surveys done to determine that the, the elevation of their home and whether or not the foundation would need to be raised uh, before they could rebuild the home. And so these were going to cost homeowners six, seven, eight hundred dollars a piece to have uh, these things done. And for a, a family on a fixed income, and insurance wasn't going to, again, wasn't going to cover this because this was a, a now uh, uh, a flood insurance kind of thing, even though it was a tornado. <laughs> um, and so the, the the church came in and said, "Well, wh- how about we?" step in and we start providing some of these and we can work with a local contractor, a surveyor to provide some of these surveys. And so they ended up doing that and we gave them a grant in order to cover uh, 
about uh, 30 different uh, surveys for uh, families in the community so that they could have that step done. And some of them needed to raise their foundation six inches, 18 inches, uh, or, or uh, some other amount. And some of them were told, yeah, you're fine. You can go ahead and rebuild. And then they were able to start that process with their insurance. And so, again, the church was, was known, even though the, the church was blown into the fields, uh, the church was there providing and showing mercy. Uh, and, of course, uh, pointing again to that proclamation of the word, which was happening right there underneath a tent on Sunday mornings. So the church building might have been blown into the fields, but the church was sent into the, the fields in the community to... Uh, to help out. Yeah, and literally uh, literally they were sent into the fields also, <laughs> picking up the debris in the fields because you get a piece of metal in some of this farm equipment uh, that's uh, as it's going through the fields and you can ruin a quarter million dollar uh, a, a tractor and and uh, and farm equipment simply because metal gets tangled up and it's yeah. it's uh, it's it's ruined. So they were literally picking up uh, debris in the fields as as well. And you, you know, you said a uh, uh, that the church was still there, the building was gone, but so also were the, the secular organizations. They were gone as well. The Red Cross was there for 10 days uh, providing uh, some level of care. But after 10 days, uh, these families aren't back in their home. They're, uh, they're still staying with uh, extended family, perhaps. Maybe they've moved uh, uh, temporarily to a, uh, a hotel or something in the next, uh, next community over but uh, the church was still there uh, and uh, uh, providing that, that comfort. And just last year, they had a dedication service for their new church building. Uh, may God be praised for that. Uh, and uh, a similar setting uh, in Delmont, South Dakota uh, occurred. And uh, just this weekend, actually, is a, their dedication service for their new church building in Delmont, South Dakota, which almost a year after Pilger suffered the same thing, where the church was destroyed the parsonage as well needed to be rebuilt um but it's having done this for four years now it's kind of nice to see not just the front end of things of all this this devastation and whatnot but to see kind of the conclusion of some of these things as well as as uh, uh they're being uh well they're being brought back and pulled back into this sense of normal a new normal for them mm-hmm. none of us know when a disaster is going to hit. So if we don't know that a disaster is coming, who would attend the disaster response conference? Well, we have district disaster response coordinators in each uh, mm-hmm. in each district. We have uh, trainers in uh, a number of our districts that provide training for our Lutheran early response team training. And a part of that is congregation preparedness that it, it kind of goes through uh, and lays the foundation for uh, a biblical understanding of mercy and how, how would the church's response be and look uh, and how would it be different from a secular response, simply a social ministry? So how is it connected to the gospel, in other words, and to, and to the church? Uh, and then simple things that congregations can do to be to, to be prepared, uh, to uh, be resilient in the case uh, 
of something happening that they might be better prepared to 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 work through it. So we have re- district disaster response coordinators each of the 35 districts. We probably have a, about 100 to 150 uh, domestic partners that we regularly work with. So leaders in districts and congregations. So they're all invited. District presidents are invited. We only have uh, a, a couple come each year as their schedules allow. Uh, and then in this particular case, every third year we're having this international conference where we're inviting uh, and bringing over leaders from uh, our other church bodies uh, that we're in fellowship with. And so we're going to, we'll have uh, uh, representatives from all of these different locations. Right now we have about uh, 80 to 90 individuals registered for the conference. Uh, that's September 26th through 28th. It's only $30 uh, to register. That includes meals uh, and uh, uh, including a, a banquet on that third day, that third evening. We're going to have a, a, a nice sit-down banquet uh, and uh, and listen to the Reverend Dr. Uh, Arthur Just uh, talk and reminisce a little bit about mercy uh, in the church. Um, is this the conference where some of the speakers present case studies? Mm-hmm. It is. And a case study would simply be uh, uh, a pastor or somebody who was a, in a leadership position uh, while uh, their church was responding to a disaster. And then they'll explain what it is that happened. How did... Um, um, uh, so I'll use the... I'll use the Typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines as an example. So uh, we're going to have um, uh, one of the pastors uh, come, and he's going to explain what happened in the typhoon, how did it affect his community, and then he's going to talk about how the church responded uh, in uh, physical things, but also in spiritual care, uh, and then uh, an opportunity to talk about, well, these are the things that worked really well for us, and these are the things that, uh, uh, if we had to go back and do it again, we might not. We might not do that. Uh, it might not have been the the best use of of resources so that we can learn from that. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, then uh, uh, Lord willing, we we pray that none of these things ever happen again. But we know that some at some point, some place, they will. So how can we then take these experiences, learn from them, and uh, uh, change our response for the next time to make it more cost efficient uh, and to make it uh, uh, better for all those involved? We live in a world where all of creation is is affected by sin, broken in in some way. How is responding to a disaster um, a way to bring gospel uh, the God's response to that brokenness in Christ Jesus how is a, a response to a disaster a, a, a way to bring that gospel well in disaster you see so many times the the idols of individuals and of communities being stripped away right hmm. And it becomes uh, immediately apparent that these things are things that we should not be trusting in, right? Whether it's the things that we have uh, in our house or or our house itself or other things or people in the community. And and it's, there's a stripping away of of those idols that says we we should not be trusting in these things. So the church uh, and, and at those times can come in uh, and 
yes, uh, uh, talk a little bit about that, but then also help put these pieces back together and say, if these things did not uh, bring real comfort, if they were not actually things that we should trust in, what is and what does bring comfort? What is something that we can trust in? And that namely, of course, is Jesus Christ, uh, that which cannot be destroyed, can't be blown away by a tornado, can't be uh, swept away in the waters. Moth, rust will not destroy it. Um, so that's this gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have it uh, in the church as a wonderful gift for us and for our neighbors uh, who are going through these terrible times. Uh, and we, in our vocations, have the opportunity to to walk with them in the midst of this and to 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 speak those words of comfort and peace which all of these other things obviously could not give uh but but now we can give it to them in the words of jesus christ just about two minutes left a quick rundown of the uh, the schedule for the conference september 26th through the 28th at concordia theological seminary in fort wayne the mm-hmm. lcms disaster response conference uh, we get to attend sessions where we'll hear some of these case studies, other things that will happen at this conference. Yeah, we'll, of course, be joining the seminary community in their worship life. So we're going to have worship every single morning uh, and hear from uh, the professors uh, as they uh, preach the gospel to the students there. So we get to join in that. But on that first day, we're going to hear particularly from uh Reverend uh, Gottfried Martins, who serves in Berlin uh, and has been serving an immigrant community. And so there's a kind of a humanitarian crisis that he is dealing with in Germany as all of these Syrian refugees have flooded Berlin. And of course, if uh, uh, some of your listeners may be uh, familiar with uh, the, the, the wonderful stories of uh, the gospel being proclaimed there and Syrian refugees uh, being baptized, uh, confirmed in the Lutheran church. And so he's going to share a little bit about uh, his experiences. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to also on, on Wednesday uh, be hearing uh, about charity and the Christian church from the Reverend John Pless, who's a, a, a professor at the Fort Wayne Seminary. Uh, and we'll also be hearing from uh, a couple of individuals from Madagascar to talk about mercy work uh, in, in, in their country and church. And then finally, on uh, Thursday, we're going to be hearing about uh, a case study from uh, the Lutheran Church in Haiti, as they've responded just in the last year uh, to Hurricane Matthew. Uh, that uh, hit the western side of their country. So we're really looking forward to those case studies. That's a good mix, I think, of of practical, but then also some kind of meatier subjects as far as uh, uh, the the theological. Why are we Why are we doing this, and the the importance of it as well? We can find more on the LCMS disaster response page. Yeah, lcms.org forward slash disaster. You can find it there. Or you can follow us on Facebook, uh, keyword LCMS disaster response. We've had regular posts there with links for the registration for how to go about doing that. Or you can email us disaster at lcms.org, and we can answer any questions that you might have. Best email address in the house. Disaster at lcms.org. Yeah, I've always kind of expected to get other emails not related to natural disasters. Like, you know, I really don't like how that what's going on over here. You know, but we haven't yet. So the please reverend, don't start sending them there if you have complaints and other things. Send send those to Andy Bates, the Reverend uh, Michael Meyer, manager of Disaster Response Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thanks so much, Pastor Meyer. Thank you.
Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at kfuo.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.